Welcome to Mosaic, living biblically in an unbiblical world. In this crazy world, it's easy to forget that God's putting together a beautiful mosaic of our lives that give Him glory. So join me, Dr. James Brown, each week as we learn to align our lives with God's Word and see what God's doing. The last two weeks, we've been talking about family worship. We've talked about why it's important, and we talked about who leads it, and why who leads it is just as important as well. Well, if those two things are important, then it follows that how we conduct it is just as important. Today, we're going to get into how we conduct family worship. Conducting family worship is extremely important. It sounds overwhelming and it sounds hard, but believe it or not, it's pretty easy. It just takes a little bit of motivation, a little bit of intention, and a little bit of planning. If I'm being honest with you, planning your family worship could be just as easy as planning your family meal together. It really is that easy. Before we get into some of the elements of how to conduct family worship, there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring out first. The first thing I wanted to bring out is simply what family worship is it? Family worship isn't a time to scold your kids or get back at them because they've disobeyed you. It's not a time for you to pull out Ephesians 6 uh, verse 1 and say, children, obey your parents in, in the Lord for this is right. And then you say, you didn't do this and how dare you? And it's not a time for you to pull out the Ten Commandments and say, listen, the Bible said, honor your mother and your father, and you didn't do that. And so since you disobeyed us, since you disrespected us, and since you're being a wayward, depraved kid that you are, God is angry at you. This is not that time. This is also not a time for you to look at your wife and say, honey, I love you, but you didn't submit to me. And how dare you? Whatever. This is not that time. The other thing that it's not is not a time for social commentary. And what I mean by social commentary is we all have our favorite influencers and social watchdog and political bents. This is not that time. This is not to pat yourself on the back for how conservative you are or or how well you're able to think and watch the news and dissect the news. It's not a time for you to give your basic apologetic on the world at large. This is a time for you to open up God's word, read it, study it, draw close to God through it so that way you can live a life of worship that glorifies him and that your family can live a life of worship that glorifies him as well. There'll be time for social influencers and all that kind of stuff down the road, but family worship is not that time. The other thing I would tell you that this is not, family worship is not a replacement for Sunday gathering. I know that because of the recent couple of years of the pandemic, uh, I know a lot of people have sort of foregone going to church on Sunday and watching streaming online seems to be the new hotness. Family worship does not take the place of that. You still need to be in service on Sundays. I know sometimes because of schedule and because of geographic location, that's problematic, if not impossible. And those times it's okay to be online, but Remember, your time with your family in worship is not a replacement for a Sunday morning gathering. The other thing I would tell you is that family worship is its not a time to take communion. You don't baptize one another. Those things are reserved for public worship. Those things are reserved to be done by men that have been lawfully ordained. And those need to be remain as sacred. In fact, family worship should make you long for Sunday. And it should make you long for 
the sacrament of communion. So those are some things that family worship is not. There are some unexpected benefits to family worship, and these, I think, are pretty amazing. And these are things that I've seen in my own life. So the first thing that I would say is that you and your family get to grow together in knowledge and faith in Christ. So you and your family, as you open up God's Word and you pray together and you talk together, you get to know more about who God is and your family's disciple. Another unexpected benefit is you get to know your children, and they get to know you. And I know that sounds a little strange because you say, I know my kids. And you probably do know your kids. You know what they like to eat, what they don't like to eat, what they like to wear, what they don't like to wear, where they like to go, what they, where they don't like to go. And you know their personality, but do you know their spiritual state? Do you know what is going on in their soul? Do you know what God is doing in their lives? As you do family worship, you begin to learn these things and you begin to see these things. And then, then they have an opportunity to grow and express and learn their own faith through you. And I think that's pretty amazing. Another benefit is that in your teaching your kids how to articulate their faith as well. You know, we hear a lot of things about children that leave the church after high school and they don't come back. And if you would look at a lot of those students that leave and don't come back, it would be interesting to find out how many of them didn't do family worship. Because as you do family worship, you're insulating your family from some of the temptations and some of the sins and some of the pitfalls that Satan has for them outside of the house. So how do we actually conduct family worship. Now that we know why it's important, now that we have established who's supposed to lead it, we have established some of the things that it's not and some of the benefits. How do we actually sit down together and conduct this? Really, it's much like a worship service. You're going to have prayers, songs, opening up God's word, confession, so it is much like that. So let's break it down a little bit. In our family, we open up with a prayer. We open up with a prayer because we want the Holy Spirit to prepare us. Sometimes it's hard because of the schedule of the day. Sometimes it's difficult because of just the normal rhythms and routines of life. But we pause in prayer before we start to allow our minds to calm down, to allow the quietness and the stillness of the house to settle in so we can focus truly on what we're about to do. And so this prayer is not just a thank you God for the day and bringing us here. And it, sometimes it opens like that, but it's really a prayer asking God to illuminate our minds and enlighten our hearts so that we can be conformed to the image of God. So then after we pray, we sing two psalms, and we just go in order. And if you're wondering if you heard that word right, psalm, you did. We sing psalms. This brings up a really good point. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now let's talk about what it means to sing. Singing isn't just an emotional event. And honestly, many of us today grew up in churches, or maybe you attend a church, that singing is an emotional event. And they pick the song based upon the emotion that it's supposed to convey. But think about this. Paul says that when you sing, you're teaching one another. You're teaching one another about who God is. You're teaching one another theology. You're teaching one another how to live in this world. You're teaching one another how to approach God. So think about that. When you sing, you're teaching. If you're teaching, it stands to reason you should be teaching good stuff. And so we use the Psalms from the Old Testament. We sing the Psalms to one another. In a future podcast, I'm going to be going over Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and explaining why we use Psalms only and then helping you understand how to pick good Psalms, how to pick good hymns, how to pick good spiritual songs, and helping you understand what the Apostle Paul really meant when he said, teach one another with all psalm, hymns, and spiritual songs. So check that out when it comes out. After we sing psalms, then we open up God's word and we and we dive into what God is saying to us through his word. So here's how we do it. And every family can do it differently. Every day we have a passage that our daughters are supposed to read and the wife reads and I read as well. 
And then when we come together that night, we read that passage one more time. And it corresponds to one of the questions that we're working on for the week in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. So we use that as a teaching tool, as a teaching method to platform on our discussions. So we'll read the passage and I'll expound on it a little bit, but this is a time where I allow everyone in the family to ask whatever question they want to ask and have the freedom of thought to say whatever they want to say. This is extremely important for them. I'm teaching them through God's word in these discussions how to defend their faith. And we live in a world where we seriously need to know how to defend our faith, right? And so I'm teaching them to do that. And then after we talk for a few minutes, we go back into the Psalter and we sing one final psalm. And this psalm doesn't change. This psalm is the same one every week. We sing two verses and then we pray and then we sing one more verse and then we're done. This final prayer isn't just a thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for the time we have. This is a time where I ask everyone in the family, how I, the head of the household, how can I specifically pray for them? And then as I specifically pray for them, I turn that into a gospel moment as well. I turn that into a teaching moment. If one of the girls asks to pray that she can have a good time the next day going to the park, then we pray that she can have fun. We pray that she can be with friends and we pray that she can enjoy the community that God has given to her and learn how to be a light on the playground for Jesus Christ. And I do that and it, it teaches them how to pray. And then we end it with the Lord's Prayer. And that's it. Now you may go, man, that sounds like that's going to take a lot of time to do it. Believe it or not, it doesn't take much time at all. It takes us maybe 25 minutes, 30 minutes tops to do it. Sometimes it may take more if the girls have a lot of questions, or maybe I don't articulate myself right. Now you may say, I don't have that kind of time in my life. Can I tell you something? We're all crazy busy. We all have insane schedules. There's a reason why God created the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath so we could take a rest and reset toward him and to remind ourselves we cannot keep up the pace all the time. When you take a moment for family worship, just 30 minutes, you're allowing a glimpse of that rest and reset. And trust me, you have the time. Most Americans spend more than 30 minutes a day on social media. You can stop the scrolling, turn off the screens, silence the phones for a few minutes. I promise you there will not be a rip in the time-space continuum while you're doing family worship. It will be okay and you will go on to your life afterwards, but you'll be greater for it. Family worship is extremely important. It's vital to the health of your family. It's vital to the health of your spiritual life. It's actually, and honestly, it's vital to the health of your church. We live in a world that is seemingly becoming more and more pagan, and there's good arguments for that, and there's arguments to say, that we've always been this way, but now we're just being honest about who we are. We live in a society where I continually hear, we need to take back the culture for Christ. You can do that by having a family that glorifies and honors Christ. So be that family that glorifies and honors Christ. Until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe. I host another podcast called 10 Minute Catechism. You can find these wherever you get your podcast. 